Some time ago, there was a film called Liar, Liar, and Jim Carrey played the part of an attorney who, because of a son's wish at a birthday, he couldn't tell a lie for 24 hours. He had had a chronic problem of telling his son certain things like, I'll be there for you, and he wasn't, and the son so wanted his dad to tell the truth, so he made this weird wish, and sure enough, for 24 hours, he couldn't tell a lie, and the movie was hilarious as Jim Carrey, as an attorney, had to be absolutely honest in every situation, and it just got more hysterical as the movie went on, but at the end, there was a, a very serious note. He came to his son, and he said, son, I can't do my job and tell the truth. And I thought, that's sort of where we plug in as a congregation because as I circulate among you, I know the pressures and I believe that some of us actually think that we can't really do our job, we can't really uh, exist in Silicon Valley culture without kind of falling into the distorting or the exaggeration or the covering up of truth. Actually, when we look at the Bible, we find just the opposite is true. God says we can't survive if we don't tell the truth. That truth-telling is a survival value. Chaos always results when truth is replaced by lies. Uh, think with me just a moment as we kind of get into this subject. Can you imagine living in a situation, an environment where there was no truth? No truth on labels, no truth in contracts, no truth in guarantees. No truth in promises and covenants and commitments. What if you couldn't believe your doctor or other professionals serving you? Or what if we couldn't believe each other? You see, trust based on truth is the very glue that holds people together, relationships together, that creates community. And without it, you almost have an isolated hell on earth where we're in individual cubicles separated by mistrust and cynicism. Events in Washington have highlighted what happens when truth at the national level percolates down to where all of us are impacted. We, we're seeing this morass of months of the parties struggling and this whole thing being played out of a struggle with truth. How vital for us then as followers of Jesus, and it seems a very appropriate time to spend a few moments thinking about why it's important for us who represent Jesus in the world to be truth tellers. And to do that, I want us to consider the wisdom of our text. We're studying Colossians for you who are uh, visitors and we've been at it all year. And as we go through this book, we hit hard subjects. And I would say today is one that's going to make us squirm, make us repent trustfully and encourage us. Because you see, a first reason to be truth tellers is that as Christians, we're called to grow into the likeness of Jesus. Now, you've heard that before. That's a core value here. Why are you here week after week? We trust that that means the Holy Spirit every week takes, you, takes us one step closer to our ultimate destiny to grow into the likeness of Jesus. And one of the dimensions of his likeness, our text says, is do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. If you want to know what Christianity is all about, it's really a journey from getting rid of what we were before we met Christ, putting it off over a period of time, and putting on that new self that's like Jesus Christ. That's basically what we're about here in every class, in every worship service. Christians don't lie because 
If we say to the world, we're a little Christ, we're growing into his likeness, then our behavior is related to the reputation of Jesus in the world. I wonder if we really realize how much a skeptical public today particularly looks at Christians and judges the merit of trusting Jesus by our behavior. Jesus said, I am the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's how he identified himself. But you know, he also said something very significant in the John text. He associated all lies with Satan. When he spoke to the Pharisees, he accused them of, who was accusing him of lying, he said, you belong to your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and he's the father of lies. I think it's important for us to realize lies of any size, little, white lies, tiny lies, big lies, it's a sin. Lying is a sin. And when we, what we mean by a sin is it's something that's against God's created order. It's something that long-term, if persisted in, will destroy us. It's something very serious. It's God's protection thrown out to his children. They're big warning signs. If you want to have the abundant life, if you want to avoid pain, don't lie. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's interesting to note that Jesus associates lying with the powers of evil, with Satan himself. When we lie, we exhibit not the qualities of Jesus, but the qualities of our pre-Christian self of evil itself. Now, most of us don't want to kind of give that kind of credit to lying, but Jesus does. I, I know we would agree today, if we could talk one-to-one, -one, most of us would agree, well, lying's not a good thing, granted. But here's our problem. At least it's my problem, and I think it's our problem. We live in a culture that increasingly is sort of accepting lying, cover-up, spin doctors, distortions as the norm. And we're led to almost believe that in our business ethics or wherever we are, a certain amount of the distortion of truth is not only accepted, sort of it's necessary if we're going to survive and make it in our kind of culture. It saddens me when I find opinion polls, and you've all seen them, indicate people are accepting a certain amount of packaging the truth as inevitable realities, not only in politics and in business, but, you know, in our own personal lives. And that's tragic if you draw out the implications of that long term. This morning, I, I'm not interested really in us thinking, well, how awful the world is out there. The Word of God always brings us back to us, and we need to look at us and where we lie. And I don't know about you, because you didn't have to prepare this sermon, but I've had to sweat this out for weeks in preparation, as I do with every subject, that I'm increasingly getting careful what I choose. But, um, <laughs> you know, I need to tell you it's humiliating to keep a tally of one week where I can so easily, almost without thinking about it, exaggerate, distort, accommodate, even as a pastor. And I think we're sort of all in that position. Uh, how are you in the tax collector? Or how about those excuses we give friends for not accepting invitations when we're dog tired, we don't really want to go, but we think up something? Or what about our excuses for being late or for missing an important event? What about expenses submitted to our company? What about just exaggerating fish stories and golf stories? You know, all the stuff that we sort of do, 
This year, as we think about our role as servants of Jesus, I can think of no better way to serve Jesus, to serve our neighbor, and to serve ourselves than to make a new commitment of trying to grow into greater honesty than where we've been. I find, as I talk to people, that we've almost sort of given up. We're just in sort of a, 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 an environment where it's never going to get any better, where we, where we just wonder, will truth ever reemerge? And I want to tell you, yes, it will, but it's going to begin with us. And, and we can change. But I need to tell you also that any success in making progress about really being honest is not going to happen because you've heard a sermon or because you're going to leave here with determination. I am going to tell the truth. If it's true that lying is from the evil one, we're up against a force bigger than all of us. And if you've ever tried to be absolutely honest, you know what I mean. What it's going to take as Christians is for the Holy Spirit to come in and do the miracle of giving us a new heart, a new likeness to Jesus, just as the man talked about last night who got two new hearts. It's a journey to grow into likeness of Jesus. And he said, I am the truth. And it will only happen by praying for it, by wanting it, but acknowledging we don't do it or we'll take credit for it when it happens. But when we're able to become truth tellers, we give glory to God. And I want to remind us the reputation of Jesus is at stake. And if we had no other reason than that, what a worthy reason to seek to be lights of his glory out in our culture. You see, God is calling us to be proactive and carefully scrutinizing our habits of exaggerating and telling white lies and separating business from personal ethics, etc. Because the secular world loves nothing better than to catch a Christian in some form of dishonesty followed by this litany, and you're a Christian. And if that's the impact Jesus is having upon your life, I'm not impressed. So a first reason to be a truth teller is to reveal to the world that following Jesus can create a new breed of person, at least committed to wanting to be honest. And we aren't going to make it perfectly, but we're on a journey where one day we will when we see him face to face. And that enables us to be a kind of light of truth as we live in a very crooked environment. The second reason we're truth tellers is that telling lies has horrible consequences. And I need to remind us all of that. The Bible puts it this way, God will not be mocked. What we sow, we'll reap. The psalmist put it this way, no one who practices, practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. That's pretty serious stuff. You see, taking detours from the truth has all kinds of consequences. It leaves us frustrated, disconnected from sources of meaning and hope. Living a lie is a form of bondage. We see this at all different levels. At the national level, Gallup polls reveal that there's widespread public distrust of, a distrust of politicians and the media that have resulted from so many lies, from so many people being exposed over so long a time. And now our country is basically cynical. So much so, as I've said, we accept untruth as a norm. And that's sick. Last year, CNN and Time Magazine ran a story, if you remember, about America using nerve gas on our own defectors from our own forces. A few weeks later, they retracted the story, affirming there was no basis of truth to it. But sensitive members of the media were quick to point out how such irresponsible journalism hurts all of us, causing a breakdown of public trust. 
And I can only say it again, how awful it would be to live in a land where we can't trust what we hear from our leaders, from the media, or even from each other. That would ultimately be a form of hell on earth. Then bringing it down to the relational level, there's consequences that are even more painful in our relationships for lying. Can one articulate the pain when a person we trust breaks and betrays us? As this lady told us today, is there any way to articulate her pain when a husband breaks a trust and walks out on a family? Isolation, anger, suspicion rush in to fill that vacuum. And pressed to the extreme, lying would drive us into a kind, again, of personal isolation where we're literally cut off from everyone else. And that's one definition of hell, ultimate loneliness. And then focusing on personal consequences of habitual lying, we find even worse devastation. Without truth-telling, personally, we become unable to draw the line between the sane and the insane, between noble and base, between the beautiful and the hideous. A liar lives under the constant pressure of having to remember what he said or she said and when they said it, coupled with the fear of exposure and the necessity for telling more lies to cover up. Making moral judgments becomes difficult because of the cloud of personal guilt that when we point at somebody else, we point back. But you know the worst thing? Truth becomes relative. Have you heard the phrase that's sort of chic now? Truth becomes what we want it to be. And to believe that some people actually are living by that code. Truth becomes what we want it to be. Lying does become a kind of personal prison. Needless to say, the Bible urges us to tell the truth because of these and many other dire consequences of telling lies. Cal Thomas was right when he wrote regarding God's laws. In reality, these moral laws have all the certainty of physical laws. And when they're violated, a society always discovers the revenge of the offended absolutes. And this is a source of opportunity to show that traditional values are survival values. I love that phrase. And we as Christians have the opportunity to live out survival values in a culture that is moving away from them. Well, the third truth is, most important of all, a few can bring about radical change. And this is where I want us to, I, I don't want us to just bring our hands about the situation in the country. I want us to get hope filled that God put us here to make a difference. You see, as we continue our journey of putting off our old self and putting on our likeness to Jesus, we're reading about how God plans to constantly invade our world and renew it until Jesus comes. As we told you about work a few weeks ago, God has placed you where you are during the week for a specific purpose. Whatever you're doing, at any age or any stage, you're there as, as a catalyst for Jesus Christ to bring about his light, his truth, his love. You can make a difference. I think most of us are interested in, invest, in, in investing our lives in something significant. What could be more significant than to be part of a movement to restore truth in the marketplace, in the neighborhood, in our culture, in our personal relationships. And remember, change in our culture always begins with a few. I was hearing a panel the other night talking about how the change in public discourse has happened. Uh, you who have lived as long as I have, in the 30s and 40s, these older comedians on the panel were talking about how when they got up to do their little gigs, whatever they were, they could not ever use a four-letter word and they could not ever refer to anything overtly sexual. 
One of the younger comedians said, well, why didn't you guys just ignore the sign? It was always in the backstage of the vaudeville and the various things. There was a sign saying, don't do it. And they said, the reason we didn't disobey the signs was that if we disobeyed the signs, we wouldn't work. There would be such a public reaction to this, our doing this, we wouldn't be employed. And the young guys couldn't hardly understand the change. But you know where the break in the dike came? If you followed the kind of history of Hollywood in that movie, Gone with the Wind, where whoever it was said, uh, the big word, damn. First time ever it was allowed. And from that little break and a very few people, look what's happened until today in public discourse. We all know there is nothing out of bounds. The more radical, the better. You know, the only thing you can't really say today publicly is something politically incorrect. That all started with a few. And you know, a very similar things happened about lying. Just look in our memory of what the attitude of America is toward lying and how it's changing until it's a norm. Now, that is not bad news. That's good news because you see, things can change for the better by the power of a few. And I believe that is God's plan. Again, think what's happened for the better. Think what's happened to diet and health laws. I was raised on hamburgers and malts and I didn't know about cholesterol and I didn't care and I love french fries and that was health food. That's changed. And we're aware there's a correlation between eating and diet. Think about our environment. I, I didn't even know what recycling was and I didn't care about it. Think of how we've been trained about recycling and what's happening. Or think about car safety. When I have a little 57 T-Bird I've told you about, when Matt and I dated in one, uh, we, did, we thought seat belts were a nuisance. And that was the first year they even had it in a dented steering wheel. But I, all that safety stuff didn't really mean much to us. And when we had babies, we drove with our baby on our lap between us and the steering wheel. And we let the baby sleep in a car bed loose in the back. And that was the norm. We didn't think of anything. Think what's happened. Public Consciousness, behavior can change. Why then, if those kinds of things can change, can, why can't we as Christians have a hope that we can be used of Jesus Christ to bring about a change in how people behave ethically? You see, in the early church, one of the great reputations Christians had is that they were impeccably honest, lights in a very dark, crooked environment. And I believe you and I have that same potential today. When there's a huge need, rather than wring our hands, it creates an opportunity for change. So where do we start? I think we need to start with confession. I get very disturbed about Christians in the media and every place else pointing fingers and attacking people who lie. The only thing that we really can do as Christians is repent of ourselves, of our lies, and ask God to make us honest because anything out there happened because of us down here. It only reflects where we are. And change has to start at the grassroots with us. And it will start re with repentance as God convicts us of our lies, our inability to tell the truth, but our desire to do it. I believe it has to start on our knees. David put it this way in the 51st Psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, against you and you only have I sinned. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. Create in me a clean heart. 
Let's ask God to give us a new heart, to make us honest in little things, catch ourselves in white lies, half-truths, exaggerations. If we get straight on the little things, the big things will follow in terms of big truth-telling. We can be honest in our business dealings. Recently, a friend resigned her position at a large Silicon Valley company because she wouldn't violate her conscience when she was being asked to do something about, um, I, won't, I don't know what the word would be regarding quarter profits. And she gave up a job with no place to go. We can be honest in our homes, honest with our children. Nothing hurts a child more than for us to lie to them. To have a child discover their parents haven't been truthful can scar them for life. And then we can attack secrets in our own life, lives, folks, which, if exposed, would harm the reputation of Jesus. You see, no matter where we've been, no matter what our track record, we can start today with a brand new beginning. You don't have to be hopelessly lost saying, well, I've been in that all my life. It'll never be different. Of course it can be different. We serve a God who does the impossible. Lord Chesterton in the early 20th century made a statement that should give us all of us optimism. If you remember, in the early 1900s, the church was at its low point probably in 500 years. It almost looked like maybe it wouldn't make it. And Lord Chesterton, five years later, wrote, it was being said the faith has to all appearances gone to the dogs, and yet it was the dog that died, and the future is bright and full of light and life. God is always ready to surprise a needy, decadent world with renewal. And he's going to do it through his church. And I think the good news for us today is, folks, we have a chance to do something significant. We can ask God to make us that new breed of human being who will march out into the world and dare to be honest, no matter where we've been or how guilty we feel about the past. We can be catalysts for change. I'm so glad that Jesus can forgive our past and I'm so glad that his mercies are new every morning. And he wants to give us the power today, a power that the movie actor in Liar Liar didn't have. We have the ability to tell the truth, not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. And you know, as you start out in this adventure, if it rings your chimes, I wish you'd write me some letters. I'd like to know some of the challenges you face once you start paying the price of being honest. It'll open prison doors, but there'll be penalties but I think it's going to be a glorious adventure. Let's see what God's going to do. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, what a fantastic gift to be called to be truth-tellers, particularly in these times. And God, we can't do it, but you can do it through us. We pray for the commitment, the desire to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.